This is Tech Talk Today, episode 262. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 459. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hello there, Noah, live from scale in Pasadena. It's good to have you here, sir. I'm glad this all worked out. In fact, we have a really fun episode. Scale 16X is just 10 days away. And Jupiter Broadcasting has taken a lot of cracks over the years at trying to get big Linux events right. Well, we're all back from Scales 13X, and we have some fantastic exclusive interviews from the floor. I am at Southeast Linux Fest 2015. We have been streaming live for three days, and it has been an absolute blast. You know, we didn't even mention that we're not doing a regular news segment this week, because it's sort of like our Linux... It's a weird week. It's our Linux Fest clip show. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 362. Woo! We're live at Linux... And yet, I don't think we've ever nailed it. This year, our mission is to do what the Linux Action Show never could. Nail coverage of an important annual Linux event and tell a story that matters to you. And to get there, I'll be making the trip in Lady Jupiter, our RV. I'm taking my fiancé, Hadia, and our new dog, Levi. How is Levi going to do down in California? That's Hadia. And even though she's not a Linux user, you might say she's outside the bubble, she's still delighted to go to scale. It sounds almost too good to be true, but it really is about the people. Like Stu, who helps build out network infrastructure for events like this in just a matter of days. Well, currently we deliver a little under 60 access points uh, throughout the entire show. Uh, as well as over 160 VLANs to separate the network out for all of the different booths and all of the different functions that we use. There might just be over 2,500 people attending SCALE, and every staff member working the event is a community volunteer. Everyone that works at SCALE is a volunteer. No one that you see on the floor working at SCALE is a paid employee. We all dedicate our time just to make this conference happen. When you combine all of these characters and their passions and everybody's having a great time, it's easy to see why even a Linux outsider could still enjoy herself. These people are memorable in a totally different way because I'm not just, of course, I'm not outside the Linux community, but they're not just what they know and what distro they use and what their opinions are. They are somebody you can look at them and you're going in the middle of them going out of their way to say hello to you. They're also dealing with... You get more gray area. You get yeah. more gray area. It's not just the fact that they like the plasma desktop or something. It's that they're a human being that has family issues and yep. all this stuff that you just kind of, you just get more gray area. Yeah. That is why I come along. Welcome back to Tech Talk Today. I'm Chris. And I'm Angela. Hello, Andrews. Thanks for joining me again. We did it. We did another episode just days after our last episode. And I wasn't sure if we would do this one because... Predominantly, the news this week is about Mobile World Congress 2018. And uh, mobile devices are fine, but I just, they're like a tool to me now. You know, it's just, yep. it's not all that exciting. Mm-hmm. There is some interesting elements. We'll do a little bit of that because that's what's dominating the news this week. And then we'll get into some of the other news items. But first, I want to thank Ting for sponsoring this episode of Tech Talk today. Go to last.ting.com and pay for what you use. It's pay for what you use wireless. It's just $6 a month. It's nationwide coverage, and they have a CDMA and a GSM network to choose from. When I'm traveling, that is 
invaluable. That's a huge part to the Ting network. And I can turn services on and off. So if I need a backup CDMA MiFi while I'm traveling, I go in there, I turn it on for the couple of hours I need it, and then I can turn it off. All of the things that you might want to control with your account are available and exposed through the Ting dashboard. It's one of the best in the industry. And then they back that up with crazy great customer service. Bunch of devices to choose from or bring your own when they have two networks. Lass.ting.com. So let's kick off the news this week with Mobile World Congress. Mobile World Congress is here. And while there may be some flashy items, it is for the most part B2B. This has been getting more and more business oriented. In fact, I think this is one of the little secrets about Mobile World Congress. The flashy stuff is the new phones you're hearing about if you're checking the headlines right now. But behind the scenes, it's all business. It's all business and sales. And that's why this event is a lot more than phones. And it's drawing in major players in the open source industry like Red Hat. I'm Jim Whitehurst, president and CEO of Red Hat, the world's leading provider of open source software solutions. At this year's Mobile World Congress, I'm excited to be giving a keynote presentation as part of the digital economy session taking place Tuesday morning, February 27th. Canonical's there as well, and I have links to what they're doing in the show notes. But the short version is they have something they can sell to telcos. As Ericsson's CEO puts it, telcos haven't figured out yet how to build their own infrastructure and services. In 2010, every telecom wants to build their own cloud. But how about what happened in these past six years? Nothing happened. The telcos just can't figure out how to build worldwide services. Their entire business model is built around nations. And so they need experts to come in and help them figure this stuff. They need to understand how to build worldwide services. With the telco industry being disrupted like so many others, the digital economy session will look at how telco organizations can prepare for the future. So it's really kind of become a big, boring business event. Uh, where Red Hat and Canonical and a bunch of others can go and have a bunch of sales calls and show off some of their latest gadgets. Canonical was going back in 2013 when they were showing off their tablet. But there are, there are fun toys, too. Hey, it's Jake from The Verge, and we have Nokia's re-released Matrix phone. They have updated the classic phone from the 90s, the slider, the banana phone, for 2018. It now has LTE. It has a larger screen, but otherwise, it's pretty much the same form factor. This shape is pretty ridiculous in 2018, but it works. There is a ton of nostalgia here, and having wanted one ever since I saw The Matrix, I love the fact that HMD Global, which now makes Nokia phones, is bringing it back. Have you seen this thing, Andrews? No, I haven't. So it's a traditional Matrix phone where, I don't know if you remember the old Matrix movie, but they have these cool phones where the bottoms slide down, mm-hmm. and then they could, that's what this does. Okay. It's not running any smart OS. It's a feature phone. It's a standard dumb phone. It's going to come preloaded with a couple of apps like Snake and Facebook. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> remember Snake? <laughs> yeah. That was so cool. Wow. I would actually be kind of interested in this because, you know, people are talking like this thing might get like a week battery, like a week long. Not a week wow. battery, but like a week's yeah, right. worth of battery. <laughs> yeah. So that's really kind of a that's when you talk about smartphones, that's a nice perk. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to have LTE in it and have the capability of acting as a hotspot. Wow. There is some other interesting things coming out of Mobile World Congress that might affect us more, at least here in the States. The FCC announced that they're going to auction off 5G ready 3.7 to 4.2 gigahertz uh, spectrum. 5G is going to be a big topic of conversation for a while. But there's nothing really too earth-shattering. we got a new Samsung Galaxy coming out of this. Anything anything grabbing your attention here? 
No, yeah. not really. Yeah, I'm not big on the Mobile World Congress. I feel like the Spectrum sale might be uh, a bigger deal long term. And then the deals that companies like Red Hat and Canonical are able to build out, you know, they just have like these meeting spaces up where they'll just, yeah, here, come talk to our executive. Have you been hacked with your password? Because there's a website now where you can check and see if your password has been found. Yeah, this is pretty cool. This is a project that just got a big update version two pwned passwords with a half a billion passwords available for download. And one of the things that Troy Hunt, the developer of this project, has done is he's made an API available so applications can start to integrate password checking to see if you're using a stolen password like one password is doing. So the thing that concerned me is I, I don't really want to give out my password, right? You know, like it seems like a, like, how do I know if You're this sending is legit your password or not? To check it. Yeah, right. That's a good concern. Yeah. They what talk the, about they're, they're hashing the passwords. They're sending them a hash of the right. password. Right. So, and it's typically like the first five digits of the password or whatever. Yeah. So what's going to happen is if you, you know, use the word monkey, you know, and, and they grab the first five letters, then if your password starts with the first five letters monkey, it's going to say that it was one of the hacked ones when it's really not. But yeah. the important thing at the end of this uh, particular article is to say, uh, they warn you, don't check your currently used passwords. Hmm. Why is that? Because you should never <laughs> do that. Expose your current passwords. Yeah. So LastPass has a feature that I kind of like. It's sort of halfway. So this is one password by Agile Bits that's integrating this checking with the Pwn service and they're doing the hash of the password first. But LastPass will also just check your own local password database to see if you're using the same password on multiple sites or not to make sure you're using unique passwords. That doesn't involve transmitting any data back up to LastPass servers. It's all done locally. That's a pretty nice feature. Yeah. And I would bet you LastPass would integrate this. What would it take to get you to try out a password manager? Oh, like jeez. I know you got a system. I know. Well, yeah, my system, I'm about to get out like a notebook and write it all, write all <laughs> things down. Yeah, which that I might know, actually not be a bad idea. I, know. Um, I don't know. The whole, I've, I've seen, I've seen some occasional struggles that you've had with switching devices yeah. and issues with LastPass. Yeah. Or with, Where I've got to go dig out a password for you. It's like, oh, all right, hold on. I've got to go well, get my that, two-factor. Yeah, that too. Yeah, right. So um, <laughs> I am not sold yet, but I, I am thinking that I might need to do something like that. A lot of my passwords are the same. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And then it just gets to a point where you've got so many accounts and then multiple logins for different yep. stuff. And Yeah. What I started doing is customizing the end of the password with the purpose for why I'm at that website. Huh. And you tend to remember that? So far. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's either a person, you know, like if it's a social network, I'm there for a specific person or or somebody that I really like talking to on that network or, um, yeah, just... I think the biggest benefit to using a password manager is having a unique password for each website. And the reason why it's a big benefit is just simply when you hear about some big breach, mm -hmm. you know... Well, none of my other logins are affected. Right. It's only that website. Right. And like, uh, you know, this is something that I definitely followed very, very closely for all of the Bitcoin stuff is every single Bitcoin service or every kind of crypto account I set up anywhere, I would always use a unique password just to that website because, you know, everything was early days and their security yes. wasn't always all that solid. Right. I wonder how solid Apple security is for storing its users' data on Google's servers. This is a big story going around today. Apple has confirmed it is using Google Cloud for iCloud services. This is a part of um, a document they updated last month, but nobody really noticed it until CNBC went through and read every single line. And it appears in there that Apple is indeed using Google Cloud servers for storage for iCloud. 
And Apple has confirmed this, and it's a little gray on how they're using it, but this has gotten a lot of attention. Did it surprise you when you saw this headline? It did. Because these are mortal enemies. I'm not surprised. You know, yeah, but I'm not surprised. Um, they do state that it's just chunks of data with yeah, no encrypted. personal right. um, identification attached to it. It but- actually sounds, that part actually sounds kind of cool. It sounds like what they've done is they've built this this layer uh, for their storage where it, it chunks everything up, it encrypts it without any user-identified information, according to the documentation, mm-hmm. and then it uses their iCloud credentials to encrypt it and secure it, and then they can sort of move that around between AWS and Google and their own servers at like this virtual file system level. That's a cool thing. Um, but the reason why I like this story is because it reminds us that a lot of times – on the outside, we get caught up in these hype wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Google versus Apple, right. and Amazon versus Google, and all of these like uh, um, things that we just sort of uh, project onto these companies externally. When in reality, they're filled with tens of thousands of individual human beings. Right. And they're you know somebody worked at Google now they work at Apple. Somebody worked at Apple now they work at Google. Well, and basically the companies are kind of just holding hands <laughs> behind the scenes. You yeah. know, well, like wouldn't you want Apple to be buying services from the company that's maybe best positioned to deliver those services? Like you got to figure they're like they looked around and went, well, nobody can do this better than Google. So we're willing right. to pay. That, right. that had to happen. Yeah. However, they I'm sure they had to weigh the risk of everybody knows yeah. and thinks yeah. that Google yeah. cr- has a chronicle of our entire lives. Right. You That's know. why that encrypted stuff's in the so, documentation. Yeah. So that, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> we're giving it to Google, but we're encrypting it first. Right. This has been speculated uh, since 2016 and it was never really confirmed, although I had done some traffic analysis on my iPhone when I was testing the Amazon Echo stuff and I was checking their communication. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a bunch of stuff on my iPhone when I wasn't using any Google services talking to Google IP addresses. And it might have been this. Oh, OK. Yeah, because I was using iCloud uh, Drive to store notes at the time, ah. which would be a storage mechanism. It's fascinating. And uh, there's a, a Hacker News thread, which I think I have linked in the show notes. Um, and in there, a, a former Apple engineer talks about some of the system behind it and about just the insane amount of storage requirements they have for iCloud because they're storing these image backups of everybody's iPhone Mm -hmm. up on their servers. And so they just are constantly expanding out, constantly. Uh, While we're talking about the Mac stuff, this is kind of a cool story. Open source lovers are rejoicing that Vulkan is going to land on the Mac platform, and it's absolutely no thanks to Apple at all. Now, if you're not familiar with Vulkan, it's not Mr. Spock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you're thinking? (laughs) I was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is the cross-platform GPU API. Um, Think of like a, a programming interface that gamers write to to talk to the video card. Ooh. Sort of like DirectX, sort of like OpenGL, but it's its own new thing. It's new. It's hot. Everybody loves it. It's available for Windows. It's available for Linux and Android. It's on the Nintendo Switch, but it's not on the Apple systems. They're all in on metal. And so a group got together and they created Molten VK, a runtime for macOS and iOS ding, that offers an almost complete subset of the Vulkan API implemented using Apple's metal system. So Vulcan talking to metal, and it's been released under the Apache 2 license. Molten VK will allow developers to build Vulcan applications for all of Apple's platforms using a single code base that spans Windows, Linux, Android, macOS, iOS, and more. Long term, this is going to be good for desktop Linux, which I'm really excited about. That was actually going to be my next question is now, now, is it now Apple apps could... Not the apps completely, but all of the 3D rendering stuff, like all the wow. math to, to draw the polygons and all that kind of crap, mm-hmm. that is cross-platform. But okay. that's the hard work. That's yeah. the hard stuff. Yeah. Well, that sounds good for Linux users, but ultimately, who does it benefit? 
Hmm, probably developers, really, because now you don't have to maintain multiple code bases for a game. Ah. And, it, you know, you can write something for the Nintendo and for Android devices and now for the Mac and iPhone. Yep, that sounds great. Yeah, that's really nice for developers. And it's cool because it's an open source standard, too. So it's not like DirectX, which is just Microsoft, and it's not Metal, which is just Apple. It's something that's available to everybody. Hmm, so it reminds me, maybe it's like um, Office Space. The guy that hands papers between the people, like it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like a go-between. Yeah, between, between metal and yeah. Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. <laughs> it's gonna. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Just, only really fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, speaking of really fast, the iPhone 10 apparently has already been cracked. That was pretty fast, all things considered. This is coming out of a company in Israel. I think it's Celebrite is how you pronounce it. And uh, they've been sort of famous in the past for trying to crack iPhones. Well, on Monday, Forbes had an exclusive report citing sources from the company that say they've essentially figured out how to get access to all iPhone models, including the iPhone 10 running iOS 5 up to iOS 11. Yikes. Wow. Okay. Well, I was going to stop you at the title because um, I still have the 5 SE. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. You're using Touch ID first generation on that. So you would be included in this. Um, and now this is right. a company that sells services to like law enforcement around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're, they're huge customers of the FBI. Or I'm sorry, I should say the FBI is huge customers of theirs. So if the example would be you have a, you have a crime scene, there's a phone at the scene, it's locked with somebody's information. The FBI takes it to Celebrite and they begin their process mm-hmm. of unlocking it and giving the data back. Now, this has been something that Apple's been working against for several releases, and right. it was supposed to be the apex of those achievements with the iPhone 10. We haven't seen any public demonstrations of it, but they're claiming they can get past it. Wow. Yeah, we actually we covered this on a previous tech. tech yeah, it was like the San Bernardino shooting yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, I yeah. think it was the same company involved that helped them yeah. get access to that to that phone. Yeah. So does that mean there's going to be an update coming out here soon then? <laughs> <laughs> you got to wonder if like Apple's like, can we talk? Can we find out? Somebody go hire them and figure out what they're doing. Right. <laughs> and then we'll just patch that. <laughs> yep. It's a, it's a rough week for security. Patch your ass. Links to everything discussed in the show will be in the show notes at techtalk.today forward slash 262. And remember, we'd love your comments. Go to techtalk.today forward slash contact. And a heads up, the format of the show is going to be fluid for a little bit while I'm traveling and covering scale and then traveling home. And if you'd like to buy Noah or I a beer, I've had that asked a couple of times. We're all up for it. Uh, You can hit me up on Twitter at ChrisLAS if you're in the area. Or if you're remote and can't make it to California, paypal.me slash Broadcasting. You can also follow our progress in Lady Jupiter as we go down to scale jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rover and keep tuning in while we're at scale we'll have more content and i'd love to say hi if you're in the area you don't even have to go to the event we'll be in pasadena just come say hi to us thank you for joining us and we'll see you later this week